This Choircast podcast is brought to you by Sola Mysterium, celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything by Keith Giles. You know, any time you and I come to talk about God, we have to admit that we're talking about a being that transcends human understanding and comprehension. Therefore, we cannot have that conversation with any degree of certainty. We have to approach the topic from a place of humility. And so I invite you to join me in embracing the mystery of Christ and to discover the endlessly unfolding beauty of uncertainty in Sola Mysterium, available now on Amazon. A bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering evangelical. What could go wrong? This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast with Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and Jason Elam. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. We're so excited to have you along for the ride. And I'm Jason Elam, and I am joined today by co-hosts Lola and Kyle. How are you guys? I'm super Still trying to find things to eat in my backyard. I found poisonous shrooms. It's no big deal. I didn't eat any, but I did touch them. So does touching them kill you? Apparently not. Mm, I'm still here. So okay, good. We're I think glad you're here. Fine, but yeah. All right. <laughs> Kyle, what's up with you, man? Not too much. Not too much at all. Working a lot. Working a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. He's busy building things all the time. Yeah, he posts that stuff on Instagram. It, it always looks so good. Man, you, you're like a man's man. You do the work. Yeah, we get behind the scenes and make it happen. That's why you get the fan mail. <laughs> Would you build me a house? Can I pay you sure. to build me a house? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Watch out. <laughs> I'll, come to, I'll come down to Bama. Okay. I'm down. Just don't make him put on the red hat, Lola. Yeah, I can't do that. He, he really had to say it on the red hat. He won't cross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's right. fine. Friends, we are so excited today to be joined by the fourth Beatle himself, the incredible, the brilliant, the prolific, one of the publishers of Choir Publishing. He's on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. He's on Apostates Anonymous uh, and all the other stuff he does, all of which we will unpack and talk about today. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Matthew J. Frickin' DeStefano right here live and in living color. Matt, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You guys yeah. need to tone it down a little bit. This is, this is <laughs> too much. He's high as hell, guys. <laughs> he is so It's the end of a long day and you're like yelling at me. And I'm like, ah, what am I doing here? No, man. Thank you this for having me. What is this? too much energy. Keith Giles Way can't maintain energy. this level of vibe, man. No, no, I, I don't know how I deal with him. I don't know what I'm going to do with you for an hour. No, man, this is what my third time on here. And the first oh, yeah, time we're four new lovely hosts. Yes, yeah, that's right. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad well, you think we're lovely. Thanks. Well, most of the time, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about the red hat stuff, but that must be an inside <laughs> joke that I don't know if I want to be a part of. I, Probably not. Trust me. It's a whole messy conversation inside joke now. It's just every time I need to stop reacting to it so you guys won't do it anymore, but it's fine. No, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Don't worry. So Matt, man, besides doing 5,000 podcasts and, and writing a book every two weeks, what have you been up to since the last time we talked? 
No, man, I don't have time to write a book anymore. I don't have. I mean, right. I, you're I publishing mean, everybody else's books. I'm doing everyone else's work for him. So you know, no. Um, I yeah, I, I recently took over Choir Publishing. That's taken up like all my time plus some, but somehow I I did I did write a book. I I well I, I'm fitting in some time to write, but right now I'm just focused on that and you know starting the network that y'all are involved in and trying to do you know bring a bunch of people and voices like yours and together and try to do something here in in the new year. Well, really excited to be a part of the Choircast network of podcasts. How did that happen, by the way? Where did that idea come from? Years ago, Ralph had the idea. And then, you know, Choir Forever was a one-man operation, literally. So all the ideas kind of just... I mean, a lot of them just kind of stayed there in the ether. And then when Ralph handed it over to Keith and myself, it was like, all right, we have more time and more resources to do the things that Ralph had envisioned. And so we just started making them happen. And so what we saw is just like, we all had our independent podcast doing their thing. It was like, how can we work together, but then still maintain like the creativity of the podcast? Like your show is your show. We have nothing to do with it. It's just like, how do we come together and be like, how do we push each other forward? So that, that was basically it. Well, you guys started off with a bang. I mean, you got... Uh, of course, Heretic Happy Hour, the granddaddy of deconstruction podcasts, which we all love. But then you've also got This Is Not Church. You've got us. You've got uh, the idea. What is it? Idea Digest. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there's a new one, right? The New Evangelicals. Yeah, which is fantastic because they are way more popular than Heretic Happy Hour. And so that's <laughs> that's kind of like the goal of Keith and my... Like I, like Keith's been Choir's best-selling author for. I want him to be like tenth. That's how I want. You know what I mean? Like I want to be doing. I want to be doing big things to where Matt and Keith are like just doing okay. Okay, very good. So you just want to uh, benefit from the wake of everyone else's success, right? Hell yeah. Okay. No, I'm saying no. <laughs> no. 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 We are author-centered, and we keep that focus. I mean, I hope people who like publish with us and work with us agree with us that it's not. We're trying. We're. I mean, I've published. I've published books with major publisher. Kind of know the ins and outs of all that, and so we've, you know, Ralph started Choir doing things opposite, and so we want to continue to do that. So if you publish with us, it's like it's more about the author than it is us. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously we're a business, so we're gonna make money, but it's like no, we want the author to have a different experience than if they go even the self-publishing route or if they go with an, a major publisher. We want them to have a different experience with us and a positively one. Yeah. And and I'm sure that's happening. I mean, the experience with Parenting Deconstructed was incredible. You guys were fantastic. And you asked us for input and insight every step along the way. And it wasn't even like a solo author project. It was a collaborative project. So I can't imagine what a solo author... uh, They definitely are going to be driving that train. Yeah, sometimes too much. No, I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) authors are great. I'm I'm an author, so... Some of your favorite humans. Some of them, not all of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we want to talk all about this new book that you've got coming out soon. Before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is the time you've all been waiting for Auntie Lola's What the Fuck Bible Story! Woo-hoo! <laughs> what the fuck? Jason 
Dude, have you actually ever said fuck before? No, uh, I think Matt's a bad influence on me. I apologize. You're outpacing me today. Mom, I'm sorry. I love it. I did not smoke whatever he smoked before the show, I promise. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no. No, that was really refreshing to hear you say fuck. I hope that it you was. do that more often. I love it. <laughs> I just got a text from Brandy, who is watching as the as the producer of the show, and she just said, Matt is definitely a bad influence. <laughs> mm, okay. I haven't even said it. I haven't even said it yet. I thought she I thought she would have said, What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just I'm just high here, just minding my own business. All right. So it's time, Lola. It's time for the Bible story. Okay. So during the the times of the patriarchs, the the book of Genesis, they lived under Levirate, Levirate? Le, did, I don't know how to say it. Some this law where the pretty much Levitical law. Sure, that thing. Whatever yeah, it's that. called. It's spelled weird in this text I'm reading from. So Okay. Pretty much uh That's the scholar. He can straighten us out on this. I'm not a scholar, but it's probably Leverite. Ah, that's it. Le- Leverite. Okay. Leverite. Yeah, I mean, it's Leverite. Right? Under the, yes. priest, the, the Leverite priests, yeah. Yes. So under this law, every family is responsible for finding a mate for each child. So if the son dies after getting married, the parents of the dead husband are expected to provide the, a new mate for the daughter-in-law. And this can happen multiple times, apparently. So... I mean, it's kind of uncommon, but whatever. So I think you say Tamar, Tamar. I'm, I'm going to say Tamar because I'm Southern. Let's say that. Tamar was the wife of Judah's son and that son died. So, and that was in like Genesis 38. So then later on, they give another son to be married and that son dies. So it's the third time around and they're not too anxious to give another son because they're kind of like, is this person cursed? <laughs> she, may, she may be killing them all. Yeah. yeah I mean, listen. listen blame it on the it woman. Happen. It's been happening. The whole story of Genesis, blame it on the woman. Yeah. That's fine. We, we can take it. <laughs> so uh, later on, because, because they didn't give another son, Tamar decides to dress like a prostitute and fools Judah into unknowingly performing a husband's duty, if you catch my drift. So Tamar gives she birth to twin boys. Her father-in-law. Yes. She did. Yeah. She seduced okay. her father-in-law. And she gave birth to twins, Perez and Zara. And Judah becomes the father of his own grandsons. And yes, under this law, the uh. sons are still legally regarded as the father, even if they're dead and did not father the kids. So what uh, the fuck? <laughs> man, wow. Uh. But it's fine because God shows unfailing grace through the messianic line to David through Jesus Christ, which comes through Perez's side. Okay. It's the true gospel. Well, there you go. Ah. Another messed up Bible story. Lola, thank you for making us all very uncomfortable right here at the beginning of the show. That's awesome. It always has to do with sex with me. (sighs) Always, yeah. I kind of bring that that whole thing. Listen, masturbation. Oh, he cringed. Oh, God, no, no, I wish you all don't. could see him right now. Uh, you no, can't don't stand make me climb it. under the desk. Matt's here. Behave yourself. Clitoris. Uh. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> Stop. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit now. Okay. You uh, can't do that. Brandy. Uh, uh, Brandy. I know. <laughs> I've uh, taken it too okay. far. All right. Mm. So, yes, you did, as, as one tends to do on a <laughs> podcast. All right. So, Kyle, uh, any great insights about God that we can learn from that story? You know what I always tell people when I hear people say they want a biblical marriage? I say, no, the hell you don't. <laughs> you don't even know what a biblical marriage is. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it sounds cute when you're in church, when the pastor's standing up and saying, you want a biblical marriage, you know, but most people have no clue of what these biblical marriages are all about and all the fucked up shit that's in some of this stuff. So you don't really want a biblical marriage. You want to stay as far away from the biblical concept of marriage as you can. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack about that story. First of all, the family's responsibility to find a spouse, all right? That's, you know, that's messed up. We, we've evolved to the point where we realize... Doesn't that kind of start with child marriage? Am I wrong? Does that I mean, kind of begin with child culture, marriage? It certainly could have, sure. Uh, Matt, when you hear a story up. like that, how does that strike you? Uh, well, actually, like if you if you get to like further in the story, when Onan come Onan 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 comes along and he spills his seed after he pulls out that mm, that mm, story mm, mm. is one of the ones. Oh, did I say pull it was out? coming? Make, Jason, <laughs> it was coming. I'm not sure if <laughs> spill his seed or pull out got to him, but one of those oh. got to him. <laughs> both in the same sentence. All right, there you go. Oh God. Um, I'm going to die before this episode's over. That sounds like something from Smut, Spill Seed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a category okay. somewhere. Let the man talk, Lola. No, I was just that. That's the one that was like one of the stories that really helped push me away from my Christianity and evangelicalism because it was those stories of God's like capriciousness. And, you know, without getting too personally, I was like, um, I would probably do the same thing. Like, I'm not about to get my sister-in-law pregnant. Like, <laughs> like, so I was like, this is a weird story. And if God's like that, you know, this seems really random because I'm pretty sure I've done, I've, I'm pretty sure I've spilled my seed, Jason, in places that aren't. <laughs> uh, if I, yeah, if, if you're right. If anyone can see Jason's face. No, but you, when you hear those things about God and you're like, well, what does that say about God? Well, it says he's kind of a prick. So I don't know if I could follow this God any longer or I, I don't want to either. Well, that's what I always think. Kyle, when what you mentioned uh, stands out in my mind. When people say, I mean, we just want to fight for biblical marriage, would you say stupid things like that? It's just obvious you've never read the Bible and taken it seriously because nobody would want that. Who, who signs up for that? Who thinks that's the way to govern or, you know, even run a family? No. Well, and women d didn't even have a choice too with marriage. Either way, I mean, you're just, I guess, awarded a new spouse. Do they have a choice in the second? What if they don't want to get remarried? They're fine being a widow. Like, I don't feel like they have a choice in a lot of it. That bothers me. Well, no, a lot of, a lot of it was a, was a deal between two fathers. I mean, it, it was a... Ugh, that's right, because daughters are property. Kind of, they're property along the lines of you know, yeah. uh, animals and livestock and that, and they were often involved in the deals. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and, and speaking, speaking of, speaking of the God angle in these stories with these, you know, marriages and stuff, there's that story with David when he kills uh, Bathsheba's husband. And, you know, when the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, you know, God's not pleased with you killing that man for his wife. And Nathan says to David, if you wanted another one, God would have given you another one. Like, like, hey, take another wife. I don't care. <laughs> if you want another one, take another wife. I don't care. So that was the one that kind of got to me. Like, you know, because we're, we're, we're in church all the time, right? And, and you, you grew up in this purity culture and this be faithful and God is against adultery and all this stuff and all that stuff is preaching to us and we're, we're so afraid to make a mistake or do it, whatever. But then you come across that story where God is saying, you want another one? I would have given you another one. Like, what? Mm. Yeah, and, and then you hear modern evangelicals referring to David as a man after God's own heart and holding up as a hero of the faith when, you know, what he did as a political ruler in his time was despicable. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, Lola, for uh, that insightful Bible story that got us kicked off on the right foot. Yeah. Matt, man, we're so excited to have you with us on this episode. I know you've got a new project coming out. Well, before we get to that project, you also just released another Bonfire Sessions book, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are coming out every like three months. Uh, We have this one and then a paperback. We got like four more and then the, the complete set will be done sometime next year. He's so casual about it. Well, he's used to doing this. He does this all the time. He's a pro. I'm a pro. I'm a goddamn professional. <laughs> okay. Can you talk to us about the whole bonfire sessions thing? I love the concept. It's you and your best friend hanging out. Basically, you and Mike just used to get around the campfire and, and shoot the shit and have chats. Uh, and mm-hmm. you decided to capture it on a podcast for a while. And then you decided to basically contribute to like uh, a, a, a quarterly book. Is that right? Yeah, it's like a booklet. It's on Kindle only, and then paperbacks come out later. We we did a podcast like fifty episodes, and Mike got colon cancer, so we stopped him. And then he had like surgeries and stuff for like a couple years and chemo, and he's better now. But we're like, no, let's not do the podcast. And so we're just finishing up the books and just having conversations about. I mean, they started coming out when Trump was in office, so a lot of it has to do with American politics and Christian nationalism and how we live in a world where increasingly more and more people apparently are Christo fascists and white nationalists. And how do we, how do we have conversations about life in the midst of um, a culture in like the one we're in? Yeah. Well, it's really good stuff. I, I've loved every one of them that I've read, and I hope that uh, those listening will check those out. But I'm really excited about your next project. Uh, Brandy had an opportunity to be on your editorial team for this one, so I got a preview mm-hmm. of it. And yeah. it is so good and so interesting. Could you talk to us? How in the world did you, uh, podcaster extraordinaire, become infatuated with hobbits? How did that happen? Is, did that go way back for you? Yeah, it's grown more. My obsession has grown more and more. Um, I've become more and more of a Tolkien nerd as I've gotten older. But I've always been 
you know, I've always loved the books and the movies. I thought Jackson's films were really good. Um, I think The Rings of Power is average. It's okay. It's forgettable. But I, I've always, but you know, it's kind of like that imposter syndrome for a long time. I was like, what do I have to contribute to a discussion about, you know, Tolkien's world, you know? But then I thought about it and it's like, I could have said the same thing about theology or philosophy or anything. It's like, any of us can say that. And it's like, oh, you're never going to be good enough or you're never going to have anything interesting to say or anything new to bring to the, to the table. But then it's like, well, fuck that. Like, no, I do. Like, I'm, you know, so the passion hopefully will come through in the writing. And I, I think it has. My launch team it says, it says it has and the reviews that I've gotten from people. Um, yeah, it's just, it's funny because I've taken Tolkien and Lord of the Rings more seriously than any of my theological books. And that's where I'm at these days. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care to write <laughs> the, theology books any longer. I just want to write, I just want to create good stuff. And it, like, I'm kind of done having a conversation about God per se. If that, you know, like, yeah, been there, done that, got the t shirt and the trauma. And, and then, <laughs> like, I just want to create better, I just want to create good things now. Just good things. Not that I, I, I still, I, I stand behind my theology books and everything, but it's not my interest anymore. I, it's like, what if, or what, what now? Have you, have you all felt that? Like, okay, yeah, what now? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm not a writer, first of all. I've told you that before, Matt. <laughs> and I also feel like I really don't have anything to contribute to like the podcast and all these circles of people that are a lot more knowledgeable than me. And Oh no, I'm, I'm going to cut you off. No, you're hilarious. No, you're really good at this. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I try really hard. So <laughs> thank you. But I'm at this point in, I guess, the ever long deconstruction where I just don't, I give absolute zero fucks, negative fucks about talking about God <laughs> anymore. And I, it's like, I'm sick of hearing the same thing over and over where it's like, yeah, I left the church. The church is so evil and purity culture. And it's like, yes, I already know all these things. And I feel like everyone around me knows these things. So are we going to change it? Or are we just going to like, keep talking about it over and over? I'm just, I'm at a really weird, frustrating point, to be honest. And yeah, no, I got that. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people are at that same point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was, um, Keith and I were laughing because he got invited to debate this prominent Calvinist, flying him out to Houston and everything. And then I found myself like, okay, my first, well, no, my first question was, because it's on biblical marriage, I was like, ask him how many concubines is too many. Because that's a great lead off question. That's what I'd ask. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think you'd throw him right off. You'd be, you'd be fucked the whole night. You'd be, you'd be good. But then I was like, who the fuck cares? Who no? Who cares? And 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 the fact yeah. that I say that I say that not angry at the church or not angry at people who are in that world, but like as a liberative sort of thing. Like I I could not care any less than I do right now about that topic. I mean, I'm glad Keith is doing it because Keith likes to hit people where they're at, and a lot of people are still there. And God bless them. I that's not my calling. <laughs> um, I'm glad. So, yeah, I'm like I don't. I, I literally I want to write about what I want to write about. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. I wanted to write about hobbits, so I wrote about hobbits, and it's way more interesting than my I think my books on theology because it was really what I want to talk about, not what I had to talk about. I had to talk about 
different theology because I wanted to, to, to debunk for my 12-year-old self who was fucked up by my theology. I wanted to debunk it for that kid. And now that I did that, it's like, okay, well, I'm 40 years old. What's life about? Let's talk mm, about that. Yeah. Talk about those things. Yeah. And I was thinking today, and I was thinking in terms of how fast we've grown in technology in such a small period of time. And then that took me to my nieces and nephews, who, of course, is the generation behind me, and how different they are in approach to church and Jesus and God and all that stuff. And I was putting the two together. This information is here, and it's all around us. Technology is here, and it's, I mean, it's growing so fast, leaps and bounds. 2007, the iPhone came out. We're 2023, and you know, the phone we have now just leaps and bounds over that one in such a short period of time. And I was thinking, as this technology continues to grow, as information is continuing to grow, we're moving further and further away from a God concept. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that the God concept was, was dominant in the time where people couldn't understand things, couldn't figure things out was desperately looking for answers and solutions perhaps and um, but we're not there anymore like Matt said I don't I don't think a lot of people care anymore about these things and I don't think they should I mean I I I used to love watching Kenneth Copeland and before the (laughs) the podcast tonight I was flipping to the game and I saw he was on and just out of my curiosity, I just tuned in for a few minutes just to hear what he was going to say. And it's the exact same things he was saying 10 years ago when I watched every same. single episode. Yeah. The same nonsense, bullshit, played out, lying stuff. You know, tonight he was talking about healing. And, you know, the woman at the well. And I'm like, damn. We're, we're talking about a story that's perhaps thousands of years old. That's the best we have. So I think where we are and where we're going is, is, is going to, con- you know, just continue to weed out this whole God thing. And I think that's a great thing. I really do. Okay. Are you guys talking about a televangelist? Cause I feel a little lost. Yeah. Oh, you don't know. Kind of cool. okay. One of the crazier ones. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, is it the one that did the like COVID nineteen with the, the big blow. eyeballs? Yeah, the blow. That one. Oh God. Yeah, yeah that one. Okay. <laughs> those re- those remixes are fire, though. Have you seen they are? They are good. They are. They are good. Yeah. That's that. That's that COVID nineteen. That shit's still stuck in my head three years later. Yeah. COVID nineteen. <laughs> that hook is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's very good. I agree. I think everyone is starting to lose their identity that they held in religion or in church. Like everyone is dropping off of that and now able to focus on things as, I guess we would consider them kind of like small, simple things that don't matter, but they do like hobbies, like writing and just doing the things that bring you joy. And that's important. The things that we disregarded for so many years and that's really where a lot of spirituality lies is in the, the little things that we just enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that, that's actually that's actually a main point that I point out in the book because hobbits are a, sec, a completely secular society. 
their whole their yes. whole religion is is gardening and being one with the earth. So they don't really have they don't have religious writings. They don't have sacred texts. They don't mention God. The elves do. Hobbits don't. And so it's like when I look at my life now, it's like. I don't go to church on Sunday. I don't worry about all that shit. I'm like gardening and it's more, you know, I'm out with my best friend. Whatever I'm doing, it's like, it's way more godlike experience, if you want to call it that. All the things they said about God theologically, it was like, no, I find those just when I'm with the people I love, when I'm out in nature, when I'm listening to music, when I'm smoking weed. Like, it's not all the things they, it's, all the things they warn me about are actually where I think, where I find the things they said God would be like. Love, compassion, mercy, bliss, joy, all those things I find in doing quote unquote humanist or secular things. I point that out the same kind of thing in the book where it's like, yes. this is a completely, their religion is like a oneness with the earth. If, if you can, but you wouldn't even call it religion. That'd be the wrong word for it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you say in your book, Matt, is that you feel a special affinity to the character Samwise Gamgee in the uh, the original Lord of the Rings. So what is it about Sam that that grabs you? Well, the, the, I mean, there's a couple of things. I think it's the um, kind of like the down to earthness of him as like. Tolkien's most revered character and who he called the chief hero, actually, in one of his letters, is a gardener. Frodo's the protagonist, the main protagonist, but Sam is the chief hero. And I love that Tolkien, you know, has an affinity for gardeners. I myself am a gardener. I also see, um, and I don't think Peter Jackson, I don't, he didn't get it from the book. I think Peter Jackson got, he got it from the Peter Jackson movie where hobbits loveth all things that grow. And I, they, didn't mean, I mean, they meant literally like vegetables and things. And in the book, I say, well, it, this isn't what they meant, but this is how I'm going to add some interpret, add my own spin on things. Sam grows as a person and, or as a hobbit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and he, and he doesn't do so by like worrying about honor or valor. He grows by just being simple and like loving his friend, like being there for his friend no matter what. And I think that's where we see the most growth. And so even with like the cover and the art um, and the subtitle, like I, I focus on the subtitle is discovering or what is it? Unearthing our humanity at three bag shot row. That's Sam's address. It's not Frodo's address. So I think if we looked to only, if we could only look at one Hobbit on like, how do we grow as people? How do we develop ourselves, our, na- our sense of who we are, uh, our true identity, our true, you know, Usness. I think Sam is probably the, the, the best example. At least for me. And maybe someone else gravitates to someone else and that's fine. He's my me. favorite, to be honest. I always... <laughs> I mean, I guess when I read what you, what you had written about Frodo, I kind of saw him in a different light, but I always kind of thought, he's such a, such a whiny baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, of course, he is carrying an evil thing and he took it for like 180 something days. So that's got a way on you, you know? And I, and I think, I think he's more like kind of whiny in the movies than the book. And Sam's like Sam, Sam's and his bond is much stronger in the book than it is the movie. 
Are you guys Lord of the Rings fans? Like, I don't, I don't know that about Kyler Jason. I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I okay. love, love, loved the movie. Saw them multiple times at the theaters, and it was such a gift, Matt, because Brandy would never sit through one of those movies with me until she read your book. And have she you watched it? <laughs> We, we haven't yet. We're going to. She's agreed to okay. it already. We just moved our kids out of the house. So we're, right. uh, we are now uh, one week into being at home with only an 11-year-old instead of four kids. And so we're now getting movie oh, wow. time. So that's coming soon. But she's willing because of your book. So that's a great gift, man. What is it you think about Hobbits that speaks to the moment you're in in your life right now. You talked about this season where you're just kind of fed up with the theology and the debates and the, you know, arguing over the scriptures and arguing about God and all that. But you're captivated by this concept that the wisdom, the hobbits have something to teach us in this moment. So what is it that they bring to the moment we're in right now? Why is now the right time for this book? I think, I think just finding like, what do you want to do and do it for the sake of doing it? Like hobbits don't, like they, like, like take the, the smoking of pipe weed. They, they call it an art form. It's not a habit. It's not a practice. So when you do the mundane like that, do it as an art. Like do it to the best of your ability. Like everything you do, even in the most mundane is an art. Like people used to come and watch Brother Lawrence peel potatoes or they watch the Zen Buddhist masters just sweep the stairs and you're like, how it's so boring. But with someone who is so into something and present in the moment, it's captivating. So whatever you're doing, even if it's picking vegetables or planting a garden or raising sheep, like do it as an art form. And I think that that view on life like will, I think, change your outlook on it. I'm a little bit speechless on that. <laughs> I mean, being really intentional. Is that part of, I guess, making things into an art, the mundane into an art, being intentional yeah. about Super, it? Yeah. Yeah. Be super intentional about what you think is the most mundane aspect of it. Like that. I mean, have you ever watched like, uh, like watch, um, like watch someone power, uh, like use, um, power spray washer on something dirty and just watch how oh like mesmerizing God. it is. That's like it's super, satisfying like, though. Yeah, super satisfying. <laughs> so in everything you do, make that satisfying. Like you, I think you can find that, that yeah. level of satisfaction in every mundane thing you do. Wow. It is a, it is a beautiful too, that we can find that beauty in absolutely every aspect of life. I mean, I was, I was reading, uh, Matt, I was reading Karen Schock's new book. That's going to come out next year. And, um, this she, year, this year, this is 2023. This year, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. We're this here, is, man. We're here. We are actually recording in 2023. This is not that's dated right. material. Right. I'm sorry. All right. So it's coming out in the next few months. And she is so bold and so transparent about her own story. And it's a story that the church and the culture had ingrained in her that she should be ashamed of. But she's reclaiming it and saying, but it turned out okay. This love story had a happy ending despite all the shit that we had to go through and all the mistakes that were made by other people's standards. Things turned out all, all right. And I mean, that's it, right? Beauty will save the world. 
And so maybe if we're not so captivated with God and religion and all that kind of stuff, maybe we can look for the beauty and stuff that the world tells us is meaningless and worthless. Kyle, you look like you're about to say something. You know, I I like what Matt was saying earlier about how he's found God, so to speak, in all of the things that we were told God wouldn't be in. And, you know, I remember growing up with the, the clear understanding that God didn't want us to have any fun. And it was just a miserable. I, I recognized this as a kid. This this is going to be miserable. We can't do anything. But Matt's right. Everything that we was told not to do, we, we find such great pleasure in it. We're such joy, and it, it, it's not destroying our lives. We're not worse than we were. Not not worse off in the sense that we're out here, you know, killing and sinning and looting and doing all these, you know acts of terrorism or whatever the case might be. But we, we've actually found ourselves and we're, we're, we're becoming more and more at peace with being who we are. And I think that's the beauty of this whole thing. And so I really appreciate that because I, I, that resonates with me so deeply. And, and, and I, I want to look, I, I look for more of that. But in a more simple way, it's just, just, I just want to, I just feel today and, and recently, I just want to live, you know, I, I just want to live. I just want to do life. I just want to live. And however that plays out every day, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to always be me. I, I have love in my heart. I have kindness in my heart. I have em- empathy in my heart. I'm a good person. So I just want to live. You know, I, I just, I just want to live. And I want to encourage other people, just live, just do life. Find that thing you Feel his life and just do it. Just do it. How many, I mean, when I say that I don't have any interest in God, what I mean is like, when we describe God, when, when I say I'm doing this for God, we're, we're running it through our filter of what God is. So we're, we're only saying something theological. And I think the great irony is that we find God when we're not looking for God, when we're just when we garden for the sake of gardening, when we bike, if we're bicycling for the sake of bicycling, when we play our piano or, you know, we listen to jazz or we go for a walk or we smell flowers, if there's an ulterior motive, G-O-D, we've missed the point entirely. And the only time we're going to find God is when we're not thinking about that word. Yeah. Gum, the word God, that shall not be named. <laughs> God comes to you dressed up as your life, right? That's it. So don't worry about labeling it correctly. Just do it. Just live like Kyle just said. Do we have to pay Nike now? (laughs) (laughs) So Matt, I wanted to ask you, uh, all of this rich, deep meaning comes through in your book. Was Tolkien trying to teach us these things, do you think? Or was he just telling a great story? I think Tolkien was creating a mythology. And I, I mean, maybe in the purest sense, I don't think... Tolkien is trying to push an agenda. I think he's influenced by... I mean, Tolkien was a devout Catholic. He's influenced by Christianity, obviously. So that's going to inform how he creates his history. But he's more interested in how would a people create their mythologies in a fictionalized world. And so I don't think that means we play fast and loose with our interpretation of someone. But I think I think we... We have creative liberty as long as we, you know, take the lore, lore seriously. We have creative, creative liberty to apply certain things in certain ways because the way myths work, it's not like 
He's telling you exactly what happened. He's telling you how the people would tell you how, what happened based on their own biases. Just like our Bible, right? The writers of the Bible had their own biases and their own agendas. So someone telling the history of hobbits, which he, he views the Lord of the Rings as a translation of something hobbits wrote. So the hobbits are going to write it through a bias because that's how we tell myths. And he's a mythologist. So I think we have all that interplay, just like when we have the Bible too. And we have, we're not going to know what the writers thought because that's not what we always get. So we have to take, I think, a little bit of interpretive, you know, creativity. And um, I, th- I, I would guess Tolkien would be okay with that. Um, some things he would certainly not be okay with if we completely, like, subvert something that he wrote. And we're just like, no, we're just going to make it this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think as long as we're respecting the lore, I, I think we have, you know, we, we have to interpret it. That's what we have to do with everything. Everything is about interpreting the text. When we talk about any piece of literature, Bible included. The Wisdom of Hobbits releases March 14th from Guire, and you can find it at the link in the show notes on Amazon and everywhere great books are sold. Matt, what's next for you after this one? The first week of March, uh, we have an imprint called Choir Classics. And we are launching three books. The Kingdom of God is Within You by Leo Tolstoy. Keith wrote a forward for that. We're doing Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass in a collection with David Bentley Hart wrote a forward for that. And I wrote a forward for a guy called Jeffrey Batch Smith, who was a friend of Tolkien's who died in World War I. And posthumously, Tolkien uh, published a collection of his poetry, which is now public domain. So I wrote a forward with that, prefaced by Tolkien. And so we're, we have a bunch of cool classics and authors that are wanting to get involved in that and write forwards for some of their favorite pieces of literature that are now public domain to do so, or have long since been public domain. I mean, we're going all the way back to like, we're going to publish Plato and Aristotle and all that kind of cool shit. Oh man, awesome. Everything uh, the choir is doing, we're, we're doing as big as we can. Man. Well, you guys are good at that. Um, I know for a while right. there was talk about an office book. Is that happening? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that one kind of got put on the back burner. Um, do you know Yvette Cantu Schneider? She was in Pray Away. She was in the 1946 documentary. So she used to be a like, Traditional marriage proponent was like involved in like Reagan and focus on the family and then completely she's came out bisexual and now she's an LGBTQ advocate. Wow. And so I've kind of started sharing the editing duties for this book and it's, it's, it was off and now it's hopefully back on. We just have a couple more essays to do and then editing and, and all that. But yes, it's, it's back in the queue at some awesome. point. Very good. Yeah. What's what? What else does Choir have in the hopper that you're excited about? What books in the next few months? Uh well, if it's March, then we are publishing Roger Wolsey's follow-up. Uh, he wrote Kissing Fish in 2011, and now we're going to publish his second book. I'm trying to figure out what has been announced and what hasn't been announced. It's hard to remember. Uh, we have something from Josh Lawson, Karen Shock. You mentioned we have a book by Mike Machuga's dad, Rick, who was a philosophy professor for 34 years, and he he wrote a a book. Um, we also have a cool imprint that we haven't announced yet, but we talked to y'all about it, but we haven't made it public. 
Gotcha. So that's going to be a cool one too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of things. All the good things. All the things are cooking, man. We're excited for you guys. Excited for the future of choir. Um, it's it's been such a treat having you with us, man. Um, I just I love you. You're one of my favorite human beings. I just think the world of you. I think you're brilliant, and I appreciate your work so much. Thank you so much for. I'm gonna being have with my us. wife come on over. I want her to hear that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to know. She needs to know because she doesn't listen to my Poor podcast. Woman. I wanted to hear it now. <laughs> Lola and Kyle, you have anything you want to say to wrap it up? No, I'm just going to echo what Jason said. So, Oh, I, I guess I also just want to echo. Um, I have followed your work for a while, just in the quiet, because I'm just creepy. And I like it. Stalker. I, I'm fine with it. I'm I fine just with it. very much enjoy all of your content. And I feel like you're one of the most underrated writers in the whole world and that you should receive a lot more recognition. And just thank you for all the content that you put out. And obviously, thank you for being here with us, taking time to talk to us um, and be on here again, especially with all three of us. Uh, I just, I'm a fangirl. I'm proud of it. It's fine. And I just thank you for existing. I'm, I'm very grateful for you. Well, thank you. Likewise, I I love being here. You are three wonderful people. Yeah, let me add this as as well, because I always want to point this out when when I talk to people like Matthew. Matthew, the thing that captured my, my, my attention to Matthew early on when we became Facebook friends is that he, he fights for the little person. He fights for the marginalized. He fights for people. He's that voice. I was, I was, I was, so incredibly impressed, and Jason is a lot like this too, how they spoke up for Black Matters. And, you know, being being a, a you know Black person, if you want to call me that, whatever, when I see that, that touches me so deeply. <laughs> you know. Um, and, 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 and I always He's have very great... obviously black guys. Yeah, you are, you know, if, if you want to call me that, you know. He's trying to have a serious moment. And I had to fight <laughs> back. Wait a second, you're black? What? Why did anybody tell me no one? minorities on this show? <laughs> I don't yeah. sound black. That's the thing. I don't sound black, so... Sound um, black with the yeah, dialect. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you understand. <laughs> well, no, I, I got picked on a lot for that in school because they say you don't even you don't even talk black. And I don't know how to curse right either. What so. is talking black? But anyway, but anyway, I, I've always appreciated Matt for that because it's we don't see it enough, and Matt's always been bold enough and courageous enough and didn't give a fuck enough to say what needed to be said, and I always honor him and respect him for that. Well, thanks, man. Much love. Appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast, also known as the Matt DeStefano Fan Club. We're all excited to be members. I'll take it. I'll even share this one when you put it out there, man. (laughs) (laughs) We're so grateful that all of you have listened. All the books that Matt mentioned that are coming soon from Choir, we will have links to all of them in the show notes. And I hope you'll check them out, especially Matt's new book, The Wisdom of Hobbits, coming out March the 14th. It's right around the corner. Grab a copy. And like and subscribe to this show. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the Heretic Happy Hour, hour and Apostates Anonymous. Yes. <laughs> well, if you want, if you have time. They do. If they're listening to us, they, they have time. They've, they've got the time. <laughs>
Nothing better than self-deprecation. I love it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We love you. 